do come in. You are most graciously welcome to Tens on Tens, a girl talk comedy podcast in which two tens make top ten lists about whatever they choose and shoot the shit, as it were. So procure the libation of your choice and, pardon my candor, sit down, shut up, and listen. Here are your hosts, the debutantes of debauchery, the queens of crass, the mistresses of muckrockery, Emma and Lo. Hey, Tens, it's Editing Emma. I just wanted to come on here and tell you guys really quick that if you didn't already know, this week's episode is actually a part two of last week's episode on Urban Legends, featuring a very special guest, a.k.a. my dad. So if you haven't checked that out yet, please make sure you do. I mean, if you don't want to, I can't really stop you, but I really recommend it. It's a good episode. You won't miss out. And if for some reason you don't actually want to do that, then by all means, proceed. We do start about halfway through the list, though, so know that. Anyway, enjoy, and I will see you next time. Bye. So what's your number five? Oh, my number five is a creepy one. Okay, here we go. Here's my first cryptid for you. I actually went through this because when we were having our list checked over by uh, Megan, we love you, Megan, thank you. Um, (laughs) Dad, you're very vague. You're like, I'm going to talk about cryptids. And she's like, okay, which one? (laughs) So so y'all got to know this. So there's a neutral neutral party. And this is what I, I'm really proud of you. This is actually gives you some integrity in the broadcast or in, in your mm-hmm. recording. Listen to me being the retired radio personality <laughs> talking about this. But what I what I was going to say is, so each person on uh, on the podcast makes their tens, and then they send them to a third person who's mm-hmm. a neutral party, and she'll report back. Yep, you're good to go. Or there's some conflict on these mm-hmm. two points, so you need to pick other things. Yeah. So I was really impressed by that. It's a good oh, job. Thank you. So hear that, Maggie. You got a shout out. Um, <laughs> and by the way, Megan, congratulations on getting engaged. Oh, yes. Congrats on your engagement. We are so happy for you. And the ring is beautiful. Thank you. Good job, John. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> so my first, well, this is my only cryptid now, is the Wendigo. Do you know about the Wendigo? You know, I recognize the name, but I, I'm, I'm not. It's not in context for me right now. I don't know what it is. Yeah, uh, this one I think has blown up in popularity in the past few years through like you know Reddit and creepypastas and stuff. Um, but it's a very, very old legend. It's a native legend, and I originally was going to talk about some other stuff, but you know, I wanted to double check because when you're talking about like Native American folklore, there's a lot of stuff that people get wrong, and there's a lot of stuff that like certain tribes don't want you talking about. To masses of people. Skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. So don't be going on your podcast talking about that crap, guys. Okay? Okay. Anyway, this is not one of those things. Um, it's uh, originally an Algonquin uh, evil spirit or creature. We're not really sure. And Algonquins uh, were in the... in the uh, Like the Great Lakes region. Great Lakes. Yeah, okay, Canada yeah. and the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a little bit along the can- uh, Canada's east coast in like the forests. And mm-hmm. this is a spirit that's heavily associated with uh, the forests and specifically winter, uh, the cold, and when people are more um, likely to, you know, suffer from famine and starvation. So that's pretty much what he is. But it is a spirit that will possess humans and give them the insatiable desire for human flesh, um, which is super fucking creepy. You can become a Wendigo, allegedly, according to this. And Hello, Oregon Trail. Yes, right. So, for instance, if you're out in your cabin for the winter and you get stranded with your family and a man eats his family, he's a Wendigo now. But the thing is, the difference, yeah, the difference between just a regular old, you know, run-of-the-mill cannibal and a Wendigo is that 
the evil spirit will make you grow to the size of whoever you ate, thus making you never be full. So you continue to grow as you eat and you are never full and you are always hungry and always searching for your next meal. Huh. So Wendigos are usually depicted as large humanoid people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have animalistic characteristics like hooves or antlers, but for the most part, they're just really emaciated looking corpse people. Wow. With They're so skinny and big and it looks like their skin is stretched. Taunt, super so, creepy. So do you see a parallel to that in the legend of zombies? There's stuff, there's stuff you know, the, the fact that they're insatiable mm-hmm. and they're undead and... Yeah, for sure. I didn't think about that earlier, but I mean, it makes skin sense. Skin stretched. Stretched, yeah. And they definitely look like they their lips are described as like ragged and bleeding and gross, stuff like that. But yeah. The, the interesting part to me is the growing part. Like they just yeah. keep getting bigger and bigger. And it's kind of easy to imagine something like that in the woods, in the deep woods like that. Honestly, know? when you describe the growing part, it made me think of uh, in the Jewish culture, they have something called a golem. Oh yeah, what's that? So the I think it's a golem, and mm-hmm. and basically it was it's a created, uh, it's like Jew, it was black magic or something, but mm-hmm. they would create out of mud. Oh yeah, like and, a, and, a homunculus. Um, homunculus, yeah, yeah, and it would imbue life into it, and it would do the will of the person who created it. Oh yeah, that's that's scary. Yeah. Well, I and I could totally have gotten that name wrong. I apologize if I do. Yeah. Send emails. Yeah, please give us a little bit of a corrections corner. We will. We if they will if shout. if they do want to correct or question anything that we said today, how can they reach out to you? Um, you are welcome to email us. We have our email. It's tens one zero on tens podcast at gmail dot com. So okay, cool. All right, back to definitely. the story. Um, the only other interesting thing about the Wendigo that I wanted to touch on is it actually inspired the name for Wendigo psychosis, which is the the disorder where people just want to eat people. <laughs> Yeah. So when someone has this insatiable urge to eat someone, they're like, when to go psychosis? So, you know, that's really because, you know, if you really think about it, that has a lot of parallels to, you know, people who think they're wolves and mm-hmm. wolfmen and, you know, the, the lust for blood. and. Well, they are compared to, to English uh, werewolves a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah. In what I was finding. Yeah. So that's interesting that you say that for sure. Um, but I don't know. It's, the concept of like cannibals in general is interesting. There are Vice did a few interviews with cannibals that are like out of prison and like walking Listen, around. Listen, I, I tell you, if I'm on a desert island mm-hmm. uh, with famous people and you have to eat somebody first, it'd be Kim Kardashian because you could dine for a month on that big ass of hers. First of all, no, you couldn't because you can't eat silicone, dummy. <laughs> also, if I'm that sorry would... if I offended by anybody there. Kanye, don't come kick my ass. Don't come kick my ass. <laughs> Listen, we could talk forever about Kim Kardashian, but that's like talking about Game of Thrones, though. So yeah. I get real into that. But I think if I'm on a, I'm on an island and someone has to be eaten, I want it to be me, bitch. I'm really annoying already, and I got a lot of good eating in my legs. So my thing, I would never kill somebody to eat them. But if I was starving and somebody had died... Someone chopped off their leg and was like, let's make fajitas. You'd be like, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> there's been actual real cases of... There was a, a, a... I think it was a Chilean soccer team that crashed back in the late 60s, early 70s up uh, in the mountain in the Andes. Mm-hmm. And they uh, ended up, uh, you know, cannibalizing. But they were eating bodies of people who had died. Oh, I see. All right. What is your number five? So mine is a very broad one, and there's no specific version of it. It's Mm -hmm. the hitchhiker legend. Okay. 
I'm into this. I'm looking up a picture for you, but yes, I'm listening. Okay, so going back to, you know, the steampunk ages when I was in high school. The steampunk ages. This was like one of the stories we told all, all along. And, and you know, I grew up here in North Carolina, so there's a lot of like sto- little ghost stories. I mean, there's not a lot. There's thousands. Mako lights, the Mount Pilot lights, all those things, stuff. Um, but so the... Um, the, the the thing about this particular hitchhiker thing, I've heard stories from people. We have a good friend who cuts my wife's hair, mm-hmm. who's from uh, upstate or uh, up, upstate New York, but she had lived in Maine for a while. She tells a story about seeing somebody in the road. Oh, she is so interesting to listen to. Yeah, and so Donna told us this story about seeing this woman in the road, and she was a little freaked out and didn't stop to help her. No, <laughs> she, Donna did stop. Oh, she did stop, and then she wasn't there, right? Well, I looked up the legend, and yeah. apparently, if you see this girl on the road and you don't stop for her, you are cursed forever. But Donna said she remembered seeing her and being like, what the hell? And stopped her car like briefly to be yeah. like, is she okay? Didn't see her and kept yeah. moving. And she would do that, too. Yeah. But yeah, so she, she avoided being cursed narrowly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's a whole... I mean, w- one day I'm going to record this whole story because there's a whole other part of this that's just so bizarre. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this story has been told across the country, uh, and it's been told, you, you know, in, in, there were even 1800 versions of it. Where people were riding in the carriage and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so the story I remember from North Carolina happened like up here in Chapel Hill. Yeah. And there was like this desolate road back in Chapel Hill and, um, that, you know, there was a person seen on the side of the road, but the version I heard, there was a male, mm-hmm. uh, who had, was injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also hear that same story where you see a young woman in a prom dress or yeah. a wedding dress right. or or a woman injured and you pick them up and you put them in the back of the car. They tell you where they live. You go to the house and they're vanished. And then you knock on the door and the mother said, that was my daughter. She's been doing this. She's been dead 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, that, so the whole thing about the hitchhiker legend that's fascinating is, you know, we, we know that legends have some source, legends always have some source of seed that started this whole thing. Mm-hmm. What makes me curious about the hitchhiker legend is what the hell was it? Yeah. Because it's a very, because the detail, it's the same story. It's this, this minor, de- I was near a swamp or, you know, minor details are added, but it's the same three elements of the story. I'm driving, mm-hmm. I see, I pick up, I go home. It, it must have happened once for real. I think, to some like Regency era gentleman. Yeah. And then it's just evolved over time. But I I believe it happened. I know it happened at least once. I think every one of these stories, something. Well, he was just, he was, uh, uh, what's that, what's that uh, hallucination alcohol? Oh, absinthe? He was drinking absinthe infused with wormwood and then he saw somebody else. He, he was getting silly with the green fairy at the debutante ball. With the green fairy. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So what's your number, what's your number four? Okay, here's another one I don't think you know about. Have you ever heard of the back rooms? The back rooms. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard of a back room, and sometimes it's a gambling hall. Sometimes <laughs> it's an abortion clinic. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you know, it's all kinds yeah. of different things. Yeah. So what's that? Well, the back rooms, uh, plural, uh, is a really recently occurring urban legend. And you know what? Honestly, the term urban legend isn't even fair anymore because it's not like these things exist just in cities. They're kind of ubiquitous. But the back rooms, we can kind of pinpoint it to around late 2010s, like 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. And it kind of started on 4chan. Do you know about 4chan? The website? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, The thread that people were posting on was like 
can you show me an image that feels disquieting or off? Like, just show me something. And people were posting pictures of, like, liminal spaces and stuff. Do you know what that is? Liminal spaces? A liminal space. They yeah. smell like lemon? Yeah. <laughs> no, lemon, lemon with an I, liminal. Okay. Yeah. So, like, some people describe airports at 3 a.m. as liminal spaces. They're, like, t- things that exist outside of time, almost. Like, they're kind of strange and make you feel weird, but mm-hmm. not necessarily scary. That's how I feel in the forest at night. Yeah, it's a liminal space. Some people say they feel that way in like any target. <laughs> so you know? if I understand what you're meaning, I would say that's kind of like, you know, if you're somewhere like for me, if I'm camping or something, um, if you've ever been out in the woods or whatever, and you don't even hear animals, mm-hmm. it's that absence of energy. Yeah, and a lot of the people that that describe this concept of a liminal space use places that are normally bustling with nobody in there, abandoned malls, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. This specific picture that someone posted was of um, a abandoned office building. Yeah. And it looked like there were no cubicles left, but there were almost like walls, like mazes of, of yellowing wallpaper and that cheap gray carpet. Yeah. And it's like... It was described as something called the back rooms, which is uh, essentially an area you can only get to by no clipping out of reality. No. Cl- what? Yep. No clipping is a is a video game term, which essentially means when in a video game a glitch happens, yeah. and you can pass through barriers that previously would not have let you hmm. pass through them. You know, a maze wall or what have you. And so the idea of the back rooms is that the life that we currently live is some kind of video simulation. game simulation. Yeah. I knew you were going yeah. there. Okay. And yeah. so if it's you... bullshit, by the way. Oh, I don't think so Oh, I think it's bullshit. Oh, no. Nothing means anything. Um, but, you know, the idea is that you can do something to no clip out of reality into these things called the back rooms. And, you know, the, the legends expanded a lot in the past few years, but the original one was just that there's this maze of abandoned office spaces, and it is extremely creepy Mm -hmm. to look at. Mm -hmm. Um, Many people who do look at it say that they've seen the place before, Mm -hmm. and it might not be because they've gone to the back rooms, but it looks like a very familiar spot. And all of these pictures that people say are back rooms are usually imbued with some sense of nostalgia and lostness and it's a very it's conf- the crash of the dot-com era it's the crash of the dot-com era. but In i wanted to show you a picture really quick that's what they look like that's the picture that was posted oh that's weird it's ex- really creepy well you know up in up in like technology mm-hmm. row up in herndon and dallas uh, virginia there's there were all these buildings after the dot-com you know mm-hmm. it, i can remember uh in the in the early 90s when in the late 90s when the dot-com booms were going crazy and mm-hmm. there'd be a new business every day with all yeah. this funding and they give all their employees BMWs and stuff. And then you go and look at some of these buildings and they're still building up there. I don't know why, but some of these buildings are freaking empty. Yeah. Yeah. Like these ones. Yeah. Say, it's weird, but I don't get the whole glitch thing because it's creepy enough just to walk into one of those right. huge, you know, 60,000 yeah. square foot office buildings and nothing's there. Well, the idea is that outside of, the simulation of reality that we're in exists this never-ending expanse of rooms that are empty and make you feel this really deep, weird sense of not fitting in. So a lot of times when people say there's a glitch in the Matrix or mm-hmm. there's uh, or it's a simulation, 
I had somebody show me this video of a helicopter taking off where the blades weren't moving. He said, see, this is a glitch in the Matrix. It's not working. And I'm like, I, no, that's the, that's the frames per And I looked at him and I said, well, he was, shooting at, he was shooting at the same frame rate the, the, mm-hmm. the rotors were turning. Mm-hmm. He looked at me and he goes, you're a doubter, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm a photographer. I know <laughs> that's what the deal so is. So dummy. Well, no, here's the thing. The picture that was posted to the original 4chan um, thread was never determined like where it came from. They don't know. Like, they've never been able to place it, which is a little unsettling. So, I mean, maybe it's not, you know, you know, glitching out of the simulation, but it's definitely eerie. It's definitely That, that is weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, going, just going in those places. Is unsettling. It deeply. is unsettling. Yeah, yeah, you just imagine some weird little shadow creature to pop out. So, of. you know, they say a lot of hauntings and stuff that come, stuff like that comes from negative energy. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things I know about the dot-com era, yeah. uh, I, you know, a lot of those people were my clients back in the, in the 90s and stuff. I would go in there and the heartache... The yeah. heartache that, you know, these guys would get several rounds of funding, million and millions of dollars. And then they, you know, they were basically trying to create air. From not, yeah, from nothing. And, and they just didn't quite get it. And, and so, you know, the heartache that happened with these young people, you know, if they got lucky, someone else bought their company. But a lot of them just went under with millions of dollars in debt and all their employees went under. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so they, I think that negative energy created within those spaces, although it was supposed to be, you know, that was back in the day when they had people who were the entertainment directors for companies on staff, yeah, yeah. vice president of entertainment. So it, it was crazy. So anyway, so what, so um, um, you want to know what my number four is? This is a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So somebody we both know and love is my dad. Yes. And my dad attended Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. With a fellow named Bill Blatty also known as William Peter Blatty. Mm-hmm. And William Peter Blatty is who? Uh, he's the author of... The Exorcist. The Exorcist. That's what it is. So now, uh, Mr. Blatty and my dad both came from Brooklyn, New York, so they knew each other as younger people mm-hmm. and knew each other at Georgetown. Bill Blatty was about a year and a half or two years older than my father. Um, so... The thing you need to know about Blatty is he, you know, he wrote like the Pink Panther scripts. I mean, he was oh. a prolific writer and, yeah. and a lot of the stuff he did was comedy or social commentary and stuff like this. He, he'd never written anything dark like um, The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. So he wrote The Exorcist and the basis of the story for The Exorcist was at the time uh, my dad and Bill Blatty were at Georgetown, there were some priests that had had dealt with possessions in, in uh, like... Uh, South America and Africa and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about the existence of evil presence or possession or whether it's, whether it's just a manifestation of a psychological disease or whatever. Simultaneous to that, in Maryland, the story of Reagan, the girl who gets possessed in The Exorcist, is based on the story of a young man who wasn't a Catholic. And uh, he was, I think, and the reason why I say not a Catholic, because the Catholic Church actually got involved to help this family. This guy, this kid was levitating. He was speaking in tongues. He was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And he actually ended up, he stayed his, the rest of his life, he stayed in a, um, like a church mental facility in the Midwest, I think is where he, and and they, all kinds of crazy stuff happens. So they never really could prove conclusively whether that was a psychological disorder or he was possessed. So I did some digging in, into the concept of possession. And for me, like for The Exorcist, that book and that movie are still the most terrifying things I've ever read. Yeah. And the reason why people are so afraid of that is that we're born with uh, and we're taught the concepts of good and evil. If you're bad, you're going to go to hell, right? Yeah. 
Now, whether, you know, I, as I've gotten older, I kind of feel body is energy and energy goes to places. I do believe evil exists in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're witnessing that today with, with Putin and, and Ukraine. Yeah. Um, I do believe eagle, evil exists, and I don't know what the source of that evil is, but there's certainly a tangible thing about it. We've all met people who are evil. Evil. And we've all seen things that evil people have done. So I do believe in the concept of evil. Whether I think that's the devil, um, I do believe it could be a demon. It could be, you know, a negative spirit. But some of these cases of possessions are are just mind-blowing. You oh, know, know. mind-blowing. Like, you know, you'll have, you'll have a 12-year-old kid speaking Aramaic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's not yeah. like he's mimicking Spanish or Latin. He heard somebody say, he's speaking Aramaic, a yeah. dead language. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. What do you, how do you feel about it? Do you believe that there is an evil in possession as possible or do you believe it's all psychological? No, yeah, no, I definitely do. I, and I think when people are like, oh, well, you know, maybe it's psychological. I'm like, you're going to tell me he was levitating and it was for normal reasons. <laughs> well, we know that the, there, there are monks that can levitate. But that, that's also in spiritual, you know, like there's a, there's an element of spirit, spirituality there. And I'm saying that. The concept of paranormal or magic or whatever is all just science we don't understand. And so I don't think that I have enough hubris to say I understand everything to rule out anything. So, you know, you and I actually talk about religion sometime. And, and, and you know, for me, I still pray. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm not like a uh, regular churchgoer anymore because mm-hmm. uh, I think man screws up religion big time. But, sure. Um, but I am spiritual and I do pray. And, and the, but for me, what praying is, and I think praying uh, was taught to people in a primitive word in a way that they can understand so they would learn how to meditate. Mm-hmm. And, and meditation works on focusing on a single point. It's okay? meditating and manifesting. Med- meditating manifesting. So when you think about prayers, they're always like to God or mm-hmm. prayers of intercessions to saints or whatever. And that's why so many of the religions like flip out when they think Catholics worship Mary and Joseph right. and, you know, which they don't. Um, so, but my thing is like my, my personal experience, when I'm super stressed out, if I pray, mm-hmm. I'm just meditating. And I, that, I find that very centering to me yeah, sure. because it's like a mantra. Yeah. And it's just, and, you know, if I sat here and, and did, um, you know, like a, um, for, I'd get the same experience. Sure. So I don't feel like praying or any of that stuff feels me brings me closer to God. But I will tell you that there are times in my life where I've been really uh, beaten down, really stressed out, you know, especially yeah. when you were a little baby and we had no money and we're just, you know, mm-hmm. and I can remember praying and feeling this whole sense of, okay, it's going to, it's going to be all right, right. You know, yeah. but then I've also, you know, I've also never experienced, I mean, I've seen some evil, terrible people in this world. Mm-hmm. Okay. I worked in the entertainment. I worked in the entertainment industry for forty years. Yeah, and I've seen some pretty awful people. Right. Okay. Soulless people. So I I, I think not only is demonic possession possible, mm-hmm. I think it is more common than people think. Yeah. Um, and I know that makes me sound like a crazy person, but no, I think so. that irrational behavior is so bizarre. You, you know, I know that I know that people have mental illness and schizophrenia and stuff like that often do crazy things in defense of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you, you talk about schizophrenics who are caught from killing people. They were trying to defend themselves. But when you hear stories about just pure evil, they're not trying to defend themselves. They're trying to elicit evil on the world. They're trying to kill people for no reason. Yeah. That's the difference for me between psychological and just pure evil. Yeah, that's just whack. Uh, and it is 
hard to wrap your head around for sure. Um, What's your number four? Mine is in a similar vein. We're talking a little bit about the devil here. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite topics of all time, and it's one of yours too. And it is the 27 Club. Okay, go. All right. So for those of you that do not know about this, it is essentially weird coincidental or coincidental deaths of uh, famous people, mostly musicians and other talented people. We've got like artists and actors. Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin. Yeah, yeah. some of the ones we have on Jim here. Jim Morrison. We have, yeah, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse, Jim Morrison. Some other ones, though, are like John Michael um, Basquiat mm-hmm. and uh, Anton Yelchin, who is the mm-hmm. most recent one. Yeah. Um, and these people are not just musicians or actors or artists they are credits to their profession yeah they are exemplary in their in their talent well can i stop you for a second mm-hmm. i just gotta say rest in peace taylor hawkins oh, yeah. broke my heart yeah we're sorry to hear about it um it's always sad when that happens but i think in in general it's even worse when it's somebody young who is just, well he was 50 yes yes he and was fit, and that is very young but when you talk about People like Kurt Cobain or Amy Winehouse, who are the people that I consider my touchstones in this, because that, yeah. that's who my generation knows yeah. the most. Um, those people were just at the at the start of starting a whole new wave of music, and they weren't around really to witness what happened after that. And that that's sad. But the concept started a long, long, long time ago um, with the uh, blues singer Robert Johnson. Yes. Right. You know, so, I read that book about him. Remember I told you about that? Really? That's yeah, cool. Go ahead. Yeah, Um, He was the first person who to officially be on this list. Um, and he died in 1938. So a long time ago. Uh, but a lot of his music featured heavy hell imagery. He he has songs hell about hellhounds. Hellhounds hell on his trail, yeah. Uh-huh. And then there's the, the deal at the crossroads he sings about. So the the idea is that Robert Johnson sold his soul at the crosswalk to the devil for excellent blues talent because he is considered one of the best blues singers of all time. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's argued that people Re- that... Relative to the relative time. Relative to yeah. the time, right. Yeah. Um, but it's considered that people who die from the 27 Club have sold their soul to the devil. And I think it's fascinating. So the story with Robert Johnson, which is really cool. So, mm-hmm. so Robert Johnson was real young. He was like in his teens, I think, when this happened. And he... Uh, you know, allegedly went to the crossroads. Now, you know, he wrote a song called Crossroads, mm-hmm. which was then re-recorded by many different groups, including Eric Clapton and, mm-hmm. and Cream and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, he had like, there's lots of unanswered questions about where he's really buried, how he really died. Mm-hmm. You know, did he die of syphilis? Did he die of, of, of a knife wound? Did he die, was he murdered? There's all kinds of different stories out there. Yeah. But there's three songs that you mentioned, two of them, but the third one is called Malted Milk. Mm-hmm. And I think malted milk is like, it, it's like a, it, I, for me, I think it's probably a liqueur or something like mm-hmm. that. But he talks about in that song about um, there's spooksies running around my brain. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot, there's this whole thing like, if you believe this happened, there's this whole thing like he did it and then he realized, ah, there's no way I could be this famous. Yeah. And then he's like, so he's writing these songs about, you know, he made a mistake. Yeah. Um, so Robert Johnson's a really interesting cat to read up on. For sure. And li- and if you listen to his music, now a lot of people listen to music and they're turned off because it's, you know, recorded. In the 30s. On ribbon mics yeah. and stuff like that. But the music is fascinating because, you know, as a musician myself, you know, there's things that I see him doing and playing uh, on a beat up old guitar that 
it's pretty amazing, mm-hmm. you know? But uh, yeah, that that whole concept. It's insane. But what's interesting about it is there are a lot of like, I guess, shoot off things that come from it. Like the concept of these people who died all had like a white lighter in their pocket and stuff like that. Yeah, I think yeah, that's all I don't all know if I just, I, I prescribe to that so much. Um, but you know, this, I think, because right now I'm 27. Yeah. So it's interesting to talk about this. And you know, you finally hit that age. And you're like, oh, shit. And it feels weird to be the same age as Amy Winehouse because... Well, I, I honestly, you know, it's funny as a rock disc jockey for many years, this these topics always used to come up and we'd have these in-depth conversations sure. in the studio, you know, during the breaks and stuff. And and one of the things I really think is like, uh, you know, I was, I'm, I was, of course, no major celebrity, but what I'm saying is there's an expectation of people. And so like I would meet people and they would say, oh, you have the coolest job. It must be party, party, party backstage <laughs> all the time. And I'm like... You know, it's just like folding shirts at the laundry. I mean, you do it every single day. It's your job. Right. You don't get overly impressed by celebrities. And sometimes, I, like, I was really impressed when I met Dave Grohl, and I love him. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the things is, that's just part of our job. And then when you see rock and roll stars and you see blues singers and stuff like that, the expectation is that they do drugs and they drink and stuff. And, and that comes, I, I kind of believe that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because right. what happens is the stress that's put on these performers... Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and the touring and the demand from the record labels to write 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 write, you know they're they're trying to come down after doing this all day long. So maybe they start with smoking a little weed. I don't believe that weed's a gateway drug, but I mean they they try some cocaine, they try other things, and what happens is inevitably a tra- a tragedy. And what had happened with Amy Winehouse was a tragedy because. She consumed so many drugs and so much alcohol that her internal organs were breaking down. Yeah, she didn't actually die of a drug overdose, though. No, she died of alcohol toxicity. Yeah, and people mistake that a lot. But, you know, she had done a lot and was really struggling with that. I I honestly think the entertainment industry just bled her dry, but that's beside the point. They do that to a lot of people. I believe that's a a very true statement Mm -hmm. because when you have somebody like her who's just a moneymaker... Yeah. She was very talented. I broke my heart when she died. She's very talented. I, I loved her music. But, you know, there's a lot of these people who are just huge money makers. Like Kurt Cobain, you know, I, I think I've told this before as a disc jockey, I got a dat tape of of uh, his band when it first came out, Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I was working at a rock station. I remember getting that tape and listening to it and going, wow, everything's going to change now. And this it is, did. Yeah. And it did. And every, every, everything on that album, I was like, holy crap this is amazing and then you had pearl jam and all these other bands coming out of seattle that were just mind-blowing right Mm -hmm. stp you know all these people and so i just um i think that the demand on kurt cobain's life and his choice of partner in life were not good because i think his i think his choice of his wife was she would actually fed that and you know a lot of people don't have a I, i certainly don't have a good opinion of her yeah, I mean, she's definitely someone controversial to talk about. And I think that the, the 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 drug thing is true, but what's interesting about the 27 Club is that not everyone on this list died because of those incidents. Some died in really strange accidents. Mama um, Cass, she choked to death. Yeah, Anton Yelchin was crushed by a car by that a didn't car. have the brakes on. For like, those of you who don't know, he's the guy that played... Um, Chekhov, Chekhov in the, Star, in the new Star, Star Trek. Yeah, the new Star Trek movies. Um, and so, like, it's if you really look into how some of these people died, you assume it's drugs and alcohol, but it's not. And so that's why it's a little spooky. It's like it's like final destination. But you get into people like Chris Farley and John Belushi, who absolutely died of overdoses. Mm-hmm. But you know, to simply say they die of an overdose, I think is is not doing them justice. They died of 
of social pressure and mm-hmm. corporate uh, greed. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. That's a really that's one that's so fun to talk about. Maybe one day we'll write that book on it. <laughs> I, you know, I've started like ten books. I never finish them. Yeah, right. Uh, my number three is called the Heavenly Trumpets. Oh, I don't know this one. So this is a phenomenon that's been occurring around the world for several years now. And there's all you have to do is go on YouTube and and search uh, Heavenly Trumpets. The trumpets, like Mambo Number Five. No, it's it's <laughs> it's like you're outside and you're outside, and all of a sudden you hear these ginormous sounding si- sounds that sound like they're coming out of the size yeah, out wow. of the skies, and they sometimes sound like you know trumpets or or gigantic trombones mm-hmm. or something. And you know, there's been been a lot of theories that maybe it's the tectonic plates rubbing together, but it's happened in so many different places, which is which places were, which aren't on fault lines. And, you know, they've said everything. It could be underground nuclear testing. It could be all this other stuff. But when you go watch these videos on YouTube, they're fascinating because they don't all the sound the same. Mm, that's now, true. And that could change a little bit from the microphone they're using and stuff. But there's people that record it on their iPhone or their, their Android phone. And you hear this sound and it's unworldly, I guess, is the best way I can say it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, when I was doing the research, I happened to be working on a jingle the other day. And I was doing the research and I had... A brass section up on my sampler. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was trying to find the note that they're doing, and what's happening is they're instead of just a standard chord, it's like several different tones combined together. You know, when you, sometimes you have two tones played in, together, they make a third tone. Mm-hmm. Well, these things are. It's really interesting. It's it's, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I want. I, I think it's worth checking out because it's one of the things. It's not scary. It's not creepy. It's just kind of wow. That's weird. And it's not. It's. It's evidentiary because there's, there's no urban legend about it. It's happening. People yeah. just don't know what it is. That's that's just a, a phenomenon at that point. That's crazy. It's crazy though. I'd never heard of that, but you know what? Yeah, I could see why it'd be insane. And you know, that targets a lot of people. You know, the religious people are probably like, "It's the angels," you know. Yeah. And then you got the scientists who are like, "Tectonic plates." I love that. Um, this next one that I have is kind of also, yeah. This is my second one, and mm. it's kind of a. A, a more recent one as well, but I think it's so scary. I want to believe it's real. Like, it's that scary. Okay. Okay. And this is the Black-Eyed Children. <sighs> right? Just the name is spooky. So, um, the first instance of a story we get of the Black-Eyed Children um, is actually from 1996. Um, and this is a really common one on Reddit and, and 4chan as well. However, this story in 96 kind of predates this. And people think that they saw this original story and then it blew up on the internet. Right. And then people claim that this goes back all the way to like the 50s and stuff. So people mm-hmm. have said that it's gone back other times. But this is the very first story and I think it's fascinating. And it takes place in Abilene, Texas. Um, and of course, our main character is a journalist. So who knows how true it is. But mm-hmm. his name is um, Brian Bethel. And he reports uh, stopping at a um, parking lot around like 9 p.m. And it was near a movie theater and he was filling out a check. Um, he was so absorbed in writing this check, he did not notice two kids walking up to his car. And they were normal kids. And they knock on the on the window and he rolls it down. And they're like, hey, man, we um, don't have money for our movie that we want to go see. We left it at home. Can you give us a ride back? And then we'll be back for the movie. And the guy was like, immediately overcome with a sense of dread rolling down this window first thing dread yeah that's pretty shady sounding it's pretty shady so he was like um no i don't don't think so and the kids are like well what's the problem we're just kids we don't have a gun or anything which is like 
Okay, hello. Suspicious, first of all. So Brian looks up at the marquee of the, of the theater, and the last showing of the last movie started 38 minutes ago. And he's like, there's no way I can take you home and bring you back in time for the movie. It will be completely over. And the little boy, he looks back from the marquee at the little boy, and his eyes are completely black. The sclera, the iris, completely yeah. blacked over. Yeah. And his little brother. And they are livid. They are staring at him completely full of hatred and they start pulling on the door handles the door is locked so he grabs the prindle right away and puts it on the d right no that's what i would do (laughs) well the boys start grabbing at the at the at the handles and they're getting angrier and trying to convince him and they're not backing down and they keep saying we can't get in unless you let us in unless you say it's okay and they're getting angrier and angrier and he's just like you know what fuck this and he leaves (laughs) Do you know that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting point that you made about mm-hmm. we can't come in unless you let mm-hmm. us, and that is a common theme around werewolves and vampires, vampires. and demons yeah. and all kinds of stuff. You know what's interesting? I saw this woman on TikTok who had a who had a, a, a major in folklore, which I didn't know that was even possible. I took I took folklore, folklore in college. So cool. It was great. Yeah, she said, "Don't ever have a welcome mat that says come in' on it, or you will have vampires up your ass." Sorry. Yeah, it's a it's a one of those loopholes. Well, you know, so when I took the folklore class, I needed some extra credit, so I took this class, and it ended up being my favorite class in college, okay? Mm-hmm. And and they talked about a lot of stuff, uh, you know, during the 70s, there was a big thing about pyramid power. Okay. And my mom, and I was fascinated by pyramid, people would sit under pyramids and stuff like that and get energy and stuff like that. My mom, uh, you know, she's a little gal from Texas and lived in the country and stuff, and so she had a very simple, she said, you know, you don't want to open yourself up to things that you don't understand, mm-hmm. right? And I remember her saying that and it was kind of ominous when she said it to me. But when I was in this folklore class, the very first thing he said on the very first day, he said, there's a lot of strange things in the world that we're never going to understand. But if you just sit there and open yourself up to, to you know, experiencing it, that's not necessarily a good thing. No, no. Because that's how demon possession happens, exactly. and that's how you know crazy stuff happens, and people drive exactly. off the road and we junk like that. Don't mess with a Ouija board if you see it. Step away from it. No, don't now, be doing that Bloody Mary shit. We could actually probably do a whole episode on Ouija boards because yeah. that's I can't believe a toy company ever put that out. Oh, I can. <laughs> but the other interesting thing about the Black Eyed Children is there are not many reports of people who have let them in because obviously if they're demons they're they're killing your ass but there is one there is one so these kids first of all they're more likely to approach people allegedly if you know about their existence so good luck to all of you listeners out there keep your (laughs) eyes peeled thanks for that you're welcome they always appear to pee to pee to be between the ages of six and 16 and they always travel in pairs they can be boys or girls um they will come up to your car or to your house being like can we call our parents <laughs> saying we're we're selling magazines <laughs> yeah right well that's the interesting thing is they always are wearing clothes that are like a, like 10 10 years out of fashion so a little bit easy to spot and you know they've got black eyes so that should put you on your guard immediately but if you don't you're stupid and you kind of deserve what's coming i think anyway this old couple had a boy and a girl come up to their door and they're like um we need to contact our parents. We know they're around, but we can't, we don't have a phone. And so like, okay, come on, you can call them. And so immediately the boy and girl sit down 
on the couch and the couple feel like a kind of staticky feeling in the air almost. Mm -hmm. They don't ask for a phone once they're in. They just sit down and say, our parents will be here shortly. And then the little boy asks to go to the bathroom and he and his sister both get up. So they have good manners. Yeah, yeah, at least. They get up and they go to the bathroom, which is down the hall. And immediately the wife looks back at her husband and his nose is bleeding profusely. While the kids are down at the end of the hallway, the power goes out. The kids are standing at the end of the hallway and they say, our parents are here now. And they walk out the door and the couple sees two extremely tall, slender figures standing in the driveway. The kids get into the car with those two things and drive off. A week later, all of their animals, they had about five cats, dropped dead. And her her husband is diagnosed with an extremely rare brain cancer. So they're radioactive. Something. They people, were experiencing like a staticky sound? Yeah, people think that they are aliens more than demons. But that that's super, super creepy. It, it's, it's really strange because it's actually a pretty unique story. I, right? Yeah, I mean... You know, I know it's like Slender Man's totally made up. Right. This one is like, because it predates Reddit. So you're like, oh, shit. And that makes you, that gives it a little bit more credibility. And I think that it's totally possible, especially if there's the alien angle. You know, you know it could also be, okay, so let's say they're, they're, they're not evildoers, but let's say, for example, they are like spies for some alien culture and they're, uh, they're, assuming the body of a human and and they do these things so they can get intelligence on what's inside houses and stuff like that or in cars or Mm -hmm. you know maybe capture somebody to dissect them whatever but that's weird but especially the bit of like we can't come in unless you say it's okay that bit right there it makes me think it's something else but you know I think this story is fascinating, and there's tons and tons of stories about them out there if you want to go look for them. But the, I'm, I'm going to for sure. Yeah, but the, that one from 96 is the best one, easily. So there is my number two mm-hmm. on my list is a story that I've told you your entire life, and a few years ago I actually took you there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's right here in my home county in North Carolina. Ah. It's about eight miles from my house. Mm-hmm. It's called The Devil's Tramping Ground. I love this story. Okay, so this story is really interesting, and I can remember as a kid, we talked about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I took I t- took a couple college uh, <laughs> trips to the Devil's yeah, Tramping yeah, Ground yeah. at night, and um, but the, when I was deciding to go on a radio, there was a guy. Uh, his name was Alan Handelman, and he mm-hmm. ho- hosted a show called East Coast Live. And one night they spent the night at the Devil's Tramping Ground, and they broadcast it, you know, and and there was lots of weird stuff, like they would set things in the middle of this track which is a round track that's a it's like 12 feet wide and it's it's probably 30 feet in diameter and it's it's just in a clearing in in like the middle on the side of the road right right so it's on private property now mm-hmm. so i do want to caution you it is on private property if you go look at it you know people still go out there and i think the homeowners are sick of it but mm-hmm. um sometimes it's called a campground people go out there and camp and drink and stuff and so there's garbage and stuff i will tell you though the interesting thing is I don't know if you noticed this when we were there. Um, there was no garbage in the circle and no garbage on the tramping area, the the flat area. It was all to the outside. Mm-hmm. Nothing, you know. There wasn't even burned wood or anything in the middle. A lot of people actually set fires in the middle of it, and there's no trace of anything. That's insane. And so this story goes back in North Carolina history to um, prior to uh, the Declaration of Independence. So in the 1700s, they were talking about this. Mm-hmm. 
And what they, what they believe it was, was that the devil would come and walk in circles, pacing, mm-hmm. and contemplating how he would bring evil onto the world. I don't know what that is. But, you know, I, I, I don't know how they got to that. You know, it's like a Daniel Webster kind of thing. But, so, as scientists do, you know, they investigate folklore and they investigate, and they've actually gone out and sampled the soil, and the, mm-hmm. and the soil is absolutely sterile. Whoa. Um, and so it's not like somebody's going in there and clearing stuff. Cause even on a path where people walk, eventually something, a root or something sure. is going to come up through the path. Well, it's not like that there, you know, I, I, you know, we have pictures of you standing there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing about the devil's tramping ground is not too long ago, some folks went out there, paranormal investigators went out there and there is a picture, the local television station here in Raleigh, WRL, they actually did a piece on it and there's like a glimpse of a manifested cloudy like ghost standing um, just off the circle. So if you remember, you come up from the road and you go straight back and if you're, and there was like a little road that went behind, Mm -hmm. behind it right next to that road, this guy was like turning his camera on and as he turned it on the ground and as he raised it up and there was another guy standing in the circle looking at him and he's raising it up to just setting up his camera next to that guy, you see this apparition and and then, then the camera packs, pans back down whether he's setting it on a tripod or something mm-hmm. he goes back up and the apparition is gone now they didn't notice that when they filmed it right. it was only noticed later in post when they were looking at it of course and that's that's uh you know if you want to google wral story on uh, devil's tramping ground that's fascinating um the devil's tramping ground is really interesting and um i can tell you that it's pretty much unchanged since i, th- I think i went there the first time in like 1980 wow um and so it's as far as I've seen it, it's completely unchanged. Well, and maybe a little bit more graffiti on the trees. That was the weird part. Really? So, um, we when when Emma and I uh, went out there, there were satanic symbols painted on the trees and mm-hmm. stuff. Which you know. Well, so you know, there's some of these people that like they want to be different, and so they pretend like they're devil worshippers and mm-hmm. stuff. But some of the stuff out there is just so weird. So like, so allegedly, you can put things in the tramping path. I told you that mm-hmm. disc jockey did it. And it will disappear. It will yeah. just be moved to the middle or moved to the outside. Uh, and really, nobody can explain. Because everything around there is beautiful pine trees. Yeah. And there's farmland around there and everything. So it's mm-hmm. there's no real reason um, that that soil just there would be. You know, because outside the circle and on those trails and stuff, it's not sterile. Yeah. So just that soil there, in a, in the uh, I was talking about this with a buddy of the city. Well, maybe a spaceship landed there. Oh shit! That would that would mean why like all this but stuff like sterile. The, well, so we know if that happened, that would have to have been in the early 1700s. Mm-hmm. So if you start digging into this, you'll see there's newspaper stories and stuff from the 1700s where they're talking about that. That's crazy. That's yeah. that's insane. Because I mean, like, you know, if it's what magnetized the magnetized like. The ground was I don't know, but up, you know right? they they said they've dug down into the ground and they they see kind of a bluish hue to the soil and Whoa. stuff. So it's really it's you know I drive by it pretty. I I was just drove by it the other day, and it's just really and you can't help by drive when you drive by it because mm-hmm. you know it's well it's it's actually on Devil's Tramping Ground Road. Oh okay, makes sense. Yeah, and so as you go down that road, 
you just are kind of compelled to look for it. I don't know what it is. Like you want to, you know, I know where exactly where it is, but you know, things change over the years mm-hmm. since I first saw it. So, you know, farms have gone, you know, gone up and trees have gone up and stuff. But I can tell you when I get within a mile of that place, I start looking to the left, to the left side of the road. And sure enough, you right pass right past it. And there's the historic sign, Devil's Tramping Ground. so cool. And like I said, I, we're so lucky to be in a place that has cool folklore yeah. some people you know out in the midwest what do y'all got corn ghosts sorry love you very much but oh no there's there's some badass ghosts in the midwest oh yeah because well, what else they got to do other than haunt people you know you know don't don't you know i used to live in the midwest stop that sorry to my midwest listeners but y'all come on now um, no listen y'all you're just fine you're the bread basket of america thank you for the bread thank you for the corn and the corn and the sorghum hell is real <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Um, so this is my last one. This is your number one? Okay. This is on. my number one. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It is the Bell Witch. Okay. Do you know this one? No, I don't. You you, yeah. you really dug deep. Oh, no. See, when I was in elementary school at the library, I've always been a big reader once mm-hmm. I figured out how to do it. Yeah. You were reluctant at first. Yeah. Trust me. But once I figured it out, I was like, hell yeah. I would check out the craziest books from the library. And I didn't even realize these were at the elementary school library, but I loved horror. I loved reading horror. I would never read it at night. But I would read it in the day, all day. People, let me just tell you something. I would pay the price with the nightmares and... <laughs> daddy, yeah. daddy. Yes, but I could not get enough. And I read so much like folklore books. And there was this one I checked out. And the first time I read about it was in the fourth grade. And so I've known about this one my whole life. And I'm surprised that you haven't either. Because it's, it's one of the more famous ones, actually. And it's the only haunting I have on this list. But it's unique in that it's not like a ghost that you see appear and it doesn't do anything because ghosts can't really do anything. But poltergeists can. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know that. Poltergeists are crazy. Yeah. We need, I can't believe we didn't talk about that before now. Well, so we're going to talk about it right now. Poltergeists are crazy. Um, and what, if you don't know what the difference is, essentially a poltergeist is a ghost that can move something. That's it, really. But they usually appear with adolescent they, males u- or they females. usually manifest around children who are going through puberty. But this particular haunting is not often described as a, pol- a poltergeist and is often described as a witch or even a djinn, like, you know, a, a genie, gin. right? Yep. So that's the, this is where it's really interesting. So I'm going to read what, you, what I wrote to you because I don't want to miss anything important. But essentially, the Bell family of Robertson County, Tennessee, from 1817 to 1821, so this is an older one, uh, experienced several attacks by an invisible entity that was able to speak, affect physical environments, and shapeshift. So it it goes crazy, okay? It became so well-known that it even attracted the attention of uh, President Andrew Jackson at the time, and he and his men, when he was a general, visited, and I'll tell you about that too. Um, but it started off easy. <clears throat> Knockings, right? Dog fighting sounds, dragging chains, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's up with the chains? Y'all, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's actually, I think, a reason for this. Um, they think that this particular ghost, who, when it first spoke, identified itself to be someone named Kate Batts. Kate Batts was their neighbor at the, at you know, they didn't have next door neighbors, but she lived on the closest, mm-hmm. you know, plot Farm. of land. And she had been in a land dispute with John Bell, who was the head of the household, on her deathbed. She swore she would curse and haunt him. And Real estate. That's a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so this is Kate doing this, allegedly. And I think it'd be funny if someone who is like, I'm going to haunt this motherfucker till he dies. Yeah. It's like, what's ghosty? 
chains, yeah. baby. Right, right. That's what I'm getting the vibe from. Yeah. Um, so obviously she targeted John Bell. Mm-hmm. He received the worst of it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, their two children, uh, they had Junior, John Bell Jr., and Betsy. Betsy was the other person who received a lot of the bad. And how old was she? Betsy was older. She was like uh, about to be married. She was actually engaged. Um, and <clears throat> interesting stuff ha- started happening. I'll get into that. So John Bell would be slapped. He would be pushed. He would have his hair pulled, pins stuck in him. He would be yeah. slapped. All of these things. And Kate would laugh at him and sing about how terrible he was, throw dishes at him, crazy shit like that. She would do it to Betsy, too. But Kate loved Mrs. Bell and John Bell Jr. She showered them with fruits that would appear out of midair. And she called them the most perfect people in the world. And Except for the husband. She was like, I will kill John Bell. I will kill Betsy Bell. No one knows why she was targeting them specifically, at least Betsy. But the other two, she was lovely to them. And people started hearing about these things happening and started visiting the Bell family. And Kate Batts' ghost would interact with guests. She would shake their hand and have full conversations with them. So she apparated and they saw her. No. She would stay invisible. Occasionally, you would see an apparition of a black dog or a young girl. But wow. for the most part, she would be completely invisible, but hold complete conversations and shake people's hands. She was really pissed. Really fucking La- mad. Really pissed because that energy, you know. Yeah. When, when Betsy got engaged, Kate didn't like it very much. And she did everything in her power to drive the fiance away, which eventually did happen. Mm-hmm. Some people think that Betsy's ex-boyfriend is the person behind all of the hauntings because he wanted her to marry him instead. You know what? That This is starting to sound familiar. Yeah, it's it's yeah. super famous. However, I don't think it's easy to explain how fruits appear out of midair or dishes being thrown when he's not even around could happen. Though he did end up marrying Betsy. So her fiancé was driven away and then her ex-boyfriend married her. Anyway. So... So can, can I can I throw in a just a hypothesis there? Oh sure, but there's more. Oh, keep going then. Okay. So a few years down the line, um, John Bell dies, and he has been, he has been poisoned, and Kate Batts shouts, "I killed him! I poisoned him!" admits to it. This is the poltergeist. The poltergeist at his funeral. She is heard singing loudly like sea shanties and drinking songs. Wow. When he dies. Yo ho, mm-hmm. boil the man down. Yep. And after that, well, I think before this had happened, this is when General Jackson came through. He, he visited because he, he was really inter- interested in this stuff. So he and all his men got in a little wagon and pulled it up to the bell house. But the wagon got stuck in the mud and they tried to move it. They could not. All of these soldiers are out there pushing this wagon and can't and get it, it to budge. move out of the mud. They took all the wheels off. Nothing was wrong with the spokes. And it was only when Jackson was like, it must be the witch. That the witch was like, damn fucking straight, say my name, motherfucker, and let the thing move after that. You know, I never get used to you cussing. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, (laughs) that's what happened. But it was only after he admitted that it was her that she was like, yep, and it just moved. And you shall pass. And you shall pass, exactly. So that happened. Anyway, after John Bell's death, he dies, and then Junior becomes the man of the house, right? So Kate says, you got this. I'm going to fuck off for a little bit. I'll be back in seven years. No, no, shut up. 
Yes. She said, you got it. I'm leaving. Bye. Because she thought he was one of the perfect people. Yeah. She's like, I love him. And she's like, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. So seven years go by. Betsy gets married. You know, John Jr.'s running the estate. And she comes back. She does not haunt them, though. She regales the Bell family with prophecies of the Civil War and both world wars and says, okay, I'll be back in 107 years. And she leaves. Now, 107 years is about 1935, 37, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's debated which one. At the time, I think it's John Bell's great-great-grandson is Charles Bale, uh, Bailey Bell. He writes a book in 1934 called the, I think it's called like The Bell Witch or Ghost of My Family or something like mm-hmm. that. And the book gets really popular. And by 1937 reaches this peak of fame and there is this bell witch frenzy everyone's like the bell witch is going to return blah 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 blah. and there you know there were like placebo effect things happening and people claiming there's a cave that was haunted she did not actually come back for anything that we know of that's been reported but people argue that this media frenzy about her is her coming back 107 years later or it could be or or she came back and said look this is crazy you know there's no way to keep a secret now. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, seriously, the, it's so fascinating. I think Andrew Jackson's even quoted saying, like, I'd rather fight the British in New Orleans than go back to the Bell House ever again. Like, it's a really intense, one of the most intense. I, okay, I'm going to find of. a book and read it. I, I, the one, I was about to say earlier I had a hypothesis, mm-hmm. but then you kind of blew that out of the water with the coming yours? back in seven years and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Salem witch trials went on and they, mm-hmm. they, some theories are is that the grain was infested right, with right, mold right. and right. was causing these hallucinations and all this other oh, stuff. Yeah, we and, talked about that in episode one. Yeah, cool. So anyway, that's it. So you want to know what my number one is? Yes. What is the king of all paranormal things? Hmm. Is it the boat? It's Bigfoot. Oh, not the St. Mary's boat. That's pretty good, though, if you don't know about that. Bigfoot. I, would, I wouldn't call that a ghost story. Bigfoot's real, I would baby. say it's paranormal. So, sure. S- so here's the thing. I know for a fact that Bigfoot exists. Yeah. My, my sister-in-law is a fucking Bigfoot. Okay, tread carefully. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying she is a big foot. I mean, what, what, you know, what, what, what woman? I mean, I'm a big dude. I wear size 13 shoes. And she, she used to steal my shoes and wear them around. And she carried her children on her back and stuff like that. So I, you know. Oh my God. I'm not saying her name or anything. I'm just saying, I'm convinced. That no, is Sasquatch. So, in all serious, talking about Sasquatch, Yeti, mm-hmm. Bigfoot, the skunk ape, but all, all the different things. So, over the years, you know, people say, well, if it really exists, why don't we have better evidence? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I go back to the 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 Dick Dick uh, deer. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd been looking for that thing for a thousand years or right, something. Yeah. And they, they found it. So what I think is this. Now, people have tried to rationalize why we don't see them because they say, well, maybe they're... they're uh, Smart. No, that they're fourth dimensional creatures and oh. they, <laughs> they, they come in and out, you know, like they mm. disappear. Um, I believe what they are is so there was a form of when the the when the our species was becoming humanoid, mm-hmm. going away from being you know Cro-Magnon and stuff like that. You know, if you run a DNA sample on yourself right now, you'll you'll have a high percentage of Cro-Magnon man in you, and it's you know it shows up in your DNA and stuff. But there was another uh, offshoot from us, um, and there's actually several offshoots. Uh, 
and they've discovered some recently, like in Africa, the oldest human, what they think is, was kind of an ape like human mm-hmm. thing. And I'm not, look, some people don't believe in evolution and stuff. So that's fine. I mean, I'm not trying to offend you, but I am you're I'm stupid. No, don't do that. It's complex. You know, you're, when people believe that kind of stuff that you're attacking their faith and that's not something you should do. I don't, I don't agree with them, but if you don't believe in evolution, just stop listening to my fucking podcast. Get out of here. Bye. Okay. Well, you need to be nicer anyway. So it's such a dad thing to say, but so just, so the thing is there was a species called Gigantopithecus Mm -hmm. and Gigantopithecus. And actually to be more accurate, I think my sister-in-law is a Gigantopithecus, but you need to be nicer. um, Well, I'm just talking about facts, but so Gigantopithecus was a, a humanoid species that was somewhere between Cro-Magnon man and, mm-hmm. and human and, and excessively large, you know, six above seven feet, 10 feet, 11 feet, stuff like that, yeah. had very humanoid features and stuff like that. And they've actually found bones of Gigantopithecus and stuff like right. that. So it, so you know that the story of the story of like American Indians, uh, or I shouldn't say that, I'm sorry, Aboriginal Americans and stuff like mm-hmm. that. They came across, they're saying that they, in Dinosaurs 2, came across the Bering Straits from uh, what is now, you know, north northeastern Russia right. uh, into Alaska and came down into the country as a natural kind of a, mm-hmm. you know, because we know that the, the, the species actually traveled with the hunting. Right. So, so they may have come to this country. The Aboriginal Americans were actually not Aboriginal here. They were probably from Europe or something and came through there. This, and look, this is just years of reading that, and I may be mashing all this up and bastardizing all this, but I, it's my story, so shut up. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, so these reports of Bigfoot, one of the common stories is, um, one of the com- common elements is, when they are seen, witnessed, smelled, or heard, mm-hmm. they're always in very remote areas. Okay. Okay. Um, the skunk ape is out in the Florida Everglades, and mm-hmm. and the, there's there's some hairy creatures in New Jersey. There's I mean they've reported them all up and down, right. um, the Appalachian Trail and stuff like that. And, and but most specifically in the Pacific Northwest of America, mm-hmm. and that's you know and then in North Northern California where they captured the Gimlin film or whatever the guy's name was. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the most convincing and famous footage um, yeah. I've ever seen. Now, they've stabilized that footage and you look at it and, and people say it's people in a monkey suit. But, you know, this thing has breasts. Yeah. That are moving and bouncing as it walks. It is. It, they're, they're breastly, boobly bouncing. <laughs> yeah. And also, and also, it also has muscular that you can see, you can see the muscles rippling in the legs mm, and the haunches mm. and, and the arms when it's walking. Yeah. So you couldn't see those things through uh, an ape suit. Now, do I believe there's a lot of fraud in the search for cryptids? Ab- absolutely. Big I mean, time. I think there's a lot of stupid people in the yeah. world. But the, the possibility that something like that exists, this is a big world. And even though there's a lot of people and a lot of development and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, people find things all the time. And they're like, I don't even know what this is. I, I don't know what this is. You know, what, what is this thing? Yeah. And, um, and so I think it's totally possible that Bigfoot exists. Oh yeah. And I think that, um, they are evolved enough that when one of them dies, they are buried, mm. mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, cause I've started to read stories about how they, um, uh, believe that they are, um, in family groups. Okay. And some of the footage, some of the footage you've seen recently that has come out in the last 10 years shows, you know, Bigfoot's holding babies. You know, there's a couple of really famous ones that mm-hmm. show that. And there's one guy who claims to have spoken to a Bigfoot and has him on tape. What? Yeah. I've never heard of that. <clears throat> yeah, that one's crazy. What does a Bigfoot say? 
So I love beef jerky. No, he. <laughs> no, when he talks to this guy, and it's called the I want to call it the Ontario Project or something like that. But uh-huh. this guy would leave like little gifts for them, like little apples and stuff, and they would cool. come back and they would return like dolls made out of sticks or like balls made out of sticks and stuff like that. Are you sure that's not just the Blair Witch? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's funny. <laughs> but but he would like find handprints and footprints uh, near his car and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and he would camp out in here, and. The the tapes I've heard, I remember playing for your grandfather, and he had just flipped his wig right oh out. Oh, my gosh. But this, this whomever they're talking to, so all of that's possible to recreate in a studio. Yeah. Um, but because I do that for a living, I listen to these tapes, and I'm kind of doubtful that that was recreated in a studio, because mm-hmm. um, how the echoes and how the, the ambience and the noise, because, no, you know, if you record ambient noise in the middle of the night, and then right. you dub in a voice... You can tell. You can hear because the volume of that voice is going to push down the volume of the the bass, the the source sound, right? Gotcha. So in the these um, tapes, and you look them up on YouTube. Guy talks to Bigfoot. So he apparently started a dialogue with this guy, and he taught him some words, and he describes two or three. There's one like one of them that's like kind of distant Mm -hmm. and there's some very famous videos that he put up of of them hiding behind trees and you see real great detail in their face and stuff but he he like one of the recordings is um uh they have like a language that they speak and it sounds like kind of gibberish Mm -hmm. but this guy would use those gibberish sounds back to him and and engage them and they so he taught the word flower Mm -hmm. brother and it would and when it spoke it would had so I don't know how much you know how how vocal your cords vocal cords in your head works to resonate sound, right, right? Right. So you know I have a deeper voice and I have a massive head, right? <laughs> sure. So so this thing, when you listen to it, you can hear the guy talking. He's a regular guy like me, and he's talking, mm-hmm. and he's trying to talk like he's talking to a child, very gently. Mm-hmm. But when this thing responds, he he sounds like this. He's like brother, and he's like it's Hulk Hogan. It sounds, yeah, it's, it's Hulk Hogan. No, but the size of this guy's chest cavity, this whatever this thing is, mm-hmm. and his head, to resonate the sound must be massive because, you know, I'm hearing this, I'm trying to totally be scientific as an audio engineer right. and listening to this. And I'm like, well, whoever faked this is really, really good. Okay. And really big. Well, you know, I can make myself sound really big, but just the way they did, mm-hmm. if it is a fake, it's a really good one. Yeah. And so, um, netahu. That was the that was the Bigfoot word. The guy, the 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 uh, Bigfoot would say, netahu. I would never say a word I didn't know the meaning of because I don't want to say like the Bigfoot equivalent of like the N word to them and then get my yeah. ass beat in the woods. I don't know what it is, but the guy would say <laughs> the guy would that that's what the 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 Bigfoot would say was a netahu. Yeah, like and then that. imagine he mollywops you across the head because you called him a slur and then you're dead no, in the but, Pacific Northwest. But then the guy would say that back to him and and he seemed to respond. Mm-hmm. So he he word used the word flower and brother and I don't remember what the other words, but. So this went on for a long time, and it, this just kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anything more about it from there, but I know that that was really fascinating and really interesting. Oh, shit. And if it was a fake, it's like I said, a damn good one. That's an incredible story. I had no idea about any of the, yeah. any of that, like talking Bigfoot. That's insane. And this is why I love talking about this kind of stuff with you because I feel like you and I always seem to find stuff that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And if you're really into urban legends and cryptids and mm-hmm. paranormal. You hear a lot of the same stuff over and over again. Well, I always go from the angle, if I hear something that's interesting, like you're talking mm-hmm. about the Bell Witch, mm-hmm. 
So I'm really interested in that because I always, I, I'm the devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. I want to disprove something. And when I keep seeing the same evidence coming back and forth, and, and it comes in different forms, and mm-hmm. you know, it's always the DNA thing where they say, well, it's bare DNA or stuff. But there's also been cases where they can't identify the DNA. It's true. That is true. And, mm-hmm. and so in God's green earth and this huge planet that we have, if any of you have ever been to the Pacific Northwest or to Canada, it's vast. Yeah. There's yep. vast. I mean, you could go days without seeing somebody. And so you could run into a Bigfoot or a Wendigo. Well, Watch yourself. It makes sense. Why, uh, uh, if 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 that species is cognizant and aware mm-hmm. that man is a threat to him, he's going to be in the last place humans can find them. I feel that way about mermaids. I agree. It's all it's all real, and uh, nothing's real at the same time because we live in a simulation, right, Dad? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, whatever. So I think with that we're going to wrap it up because I think this was a bit of a long one for you. What do we have? I think we're two hours and fifteen minutes. Hey, what's up? Hey. And you know what? It was a delay. It was a treat for you. A well, I, I thank you so much. I mean, I feel like I've gone full circle that my baby that <laughs> I used to take to the radio station is now doing a podcast. Yeah, so it's really a little, cool. It's a little weird. But I will say, so you guys who listen to the show, I can give you a perspective on this person uh, that you can't. One, she's extremely curious. She's extremely intelligent. She's very prepared. And if you're going to debate with her about anything, you better bring your lunch. <laughs> and that makes me really proud of you. Oh, I mean, so, so that's awesome. But thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. I hope someday I'll get to do it again. It was yes. a real thrill. I think that you're going to be a fan favorite easily because you're, <laughs> no, you're so interesting. And we know that you look like, um, you know, Mr. Incredible. So, <laughs> well, I stopped listening to the show when somebody said I was a DILF and I just couldn't hang with that. I can't hang with that. Hey, no, pe- people are allowed to think you're sexy, Dad. It's okay. Yeah, well, that's, you know, from the category of, you know, lowered expectations. <laughs> hey, man, whatever. Take what you can get. Uh, with that, guys, we're going to close out. Love you so much. Please, please, if you want to help us out, I would really appreciate if you guys take a few seconds to go on, write us a quick review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. But even just listening helps us. Thank you so much for doing that. If they, if they just want to send you general adoring fan mail, how do they do that? Uh, you guys are welcome to contact us through our email, which you heard at the top of the show. So tens on tens podcast at Gmail. And then it's the same handle for our Instagram and our Twitter and our website. So and, we have all of those. And so can you them. spell out the website again? Yep. It's one zero S O N one zero S podcast dot com. And, and, and we can try to get some of these pictures I referred to into your social media. Yeah, definitely. They will be on the Instagram. Do not worry. And you know, what? we'll post them on the website too. Why not? A lot of cool stuff. So you know how I used to finish my show every day? How's that? See you next time. Adios, muchachos. It has been so lovely having you in for our little tete-a-tete. If you have any further tittle-tattles or salacious salutations, you may contact us on the World Wide Web at tensontenspodcast.com or you may follow the ladies on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Tenzon Tens Podcast. That's one zero S O N one zero S Podcast, or via email at tensontenspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, ta ta and toodle doo.